for the next couple of times that I'm going to be together, I rarely ever do serieses. Uh, I think I've done maybe like one or two serieses in my whole life. Um, but I'm going to do CRI. Is that how you say it? <laughs> like multiple, it's a CRI, right? It's multiple serieses. No? Okay. Anyways. Some people got that and they're like, ha ha. Other people are like, CRI, what's it? <laughs> All right. Anyways, we won't go there. Um, but I wanted to take some time uh, really over the next couple of weeks, and, and really the desire of what I want to do is, is use some strong and predominant biblical figures to really help to give us an understanding uh, of how do we, um, the, the title of the series that I'm going to go with, and I may work on it as we go forward, is Protecting Your Promise. Because if there's one thing, you know, that really with what my dad has been doing, and I want to get up here eventually and not talk about your message. So hopefully one day that happens. But one of the things that he's really been doing for me, and I want to encourage you, if you haven't been listening to his stuff, maybe, you know, all the way back, okay? But mainly, probably for the last, I want to say like three weeks or a month, is when he's really been talking about dealing with the doubt. And I've been going down this journey, and it's almost like my eyes have been opened to understand that there is absolutely nothing that can stop uh, the, the, the promise of God from getting to our life, okay? It's not a lottery wheel in heaven. It's not like God is up there and choosing. It has nothing to do with your performance, but it completely comes down to, can we actually believe without doubting that God wants to and, and plans to bring the blessing of God into our life? And so as I was thinking about it, um, and, and, and really, you know, kind of allowing the Lord to just minister to me about this concept is I really began to look in the scriptures to discover, not necessarily looking for faith, because, I mean, faith is found on every single page, but really what I wanted to discover was people who um, understood how to uh, protect the thing that God was doing on the inside of them. Okay, because it's like one of those things, right, like with bodybuilding, okay, it's like you could, you know, I could guarantee somebody, like, you, I, I could guarantee that you'll gain muscle as long as you just don't do these, like, three things, let's just say, and I feel like the scripture is exactly like that, that God guarantees the blessing, like, I want to say that this morning, like, I guarantee you, if you will just do the things that I'm going to talk about, not that I'm so wise, but the Bible clearly lays out that if we will just not do particular things and do other things, that we, I want to say qualify, but it's literally just like we, we stop allowing the enemy to come in and hinder the blessing that God has for our lives, okay? This is good news because it's not like we have to try to figure out you know, what do I need to do? And it's not this walking, this tightrope. It's literally like, as we're going to discover, God is like, hey, listen, if you just don't do these like five or six things, the devil is not going to be able to put his hands on you. Okay. Now the five or six things we're going to talk about are challenging because they're kind of the things that in our culture, in our society that are very common that we do each and every day. Okay. But I believe that really the reason the Lord is directing us in this direction is so that we can understand, because my dad said it so beautifully, is that we have all the faith that we need, okay? It's not for lack of understanding the scriptures or for lack of understanding what God wants to do, okay? Because if I come in here and I said to you, you know, God, his promise is for you to be healthy, okay? How many of you, what, that was the first time you ever heard that, right? No, no, nobody. What about that God wants you to be prosperous? Anybody 
for the first time? Hear, hear that? Okay, we got one. <laughs> well, praise the Lord, you just take it, okay? But the thing that I've come to realize was, is it's not for lack of understanding what God wants to do, but it's taking the promise of God to the place where uh, we actually begin to see those things manifesting in our life, okay? So, um, because here's the reality, right? We were born to overcome every obstacle, okay? 1 John 5, 4 says this, anyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ and is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well, this is how we know, th this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. In fact, this, uh, this is love for God to keep his commands, and his commands are not burdensome, for everyone who is born of God overcomes the world. Okay? You were born, because you were born of God, and you believe in God, you were born to overcome the world. Yeah. That means there's absolutely nothing in, in, in your life that you're experiencing that has the ability to stop what God desires to do in your life, okay? So what I want to do is I want to talk this morning, I call it, uh, what did I name it? The SMA method, okay? Write that down. Today we're going to talk about the SMA method, and this is found in Daniel chapter 3, Okay? The SMA method, we'll call it, is the Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego method, okay? In case you're wondering. Uh, because they did something phenomenal, okay? They experienced hardship, right? They went through a difficult situation, but in the midst of going through the difficult situation, they were able to see the promise that God made to them fulfilled through their life, okay? Here we go. So we're going to read, um, so basically what's happening, because I'm not going to read the whole thing for the sake of time. Daniel chapter 3, what happened is this. There was this nasty guy named King Nebuchadnezzar, okay? And he, you know, got around the wrong people, and they basically said, you know, here's the deal, because you're so great, you're such a great God, that this is what you need to do for all the people, is that anytime, you know, the, uh, uh, this, all the musicians start to play some music, what we want, everybody, what we think everybody should have to do is they should have to kneel down and worship you because you're so great and mighty, okay? And King Nebuchadnezzar, because he was, you know, a little out there, he was like, yes, that's a great idea. I mean, the reality is probably the most of us, you know, if we didn't know the Lord, we'd be like, yeah, that's a great idea. Who wouldn't want people bowing down and worshiping them, okay? Especially if it's your wife right? Okay. Okay. Um, so then we get into Daniel chapter 3, and I want to read verse 13 to 30, and I apologize. You're just going to have to come with me, and I'm going to read quick. Ready? Here we go. It says this. So you got the backstory. This is what's happening. And then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they refused to bow down. And so it says this. So the decree went out, and they began killing, they began killing the wise men, and they, oh, wait, sorry, three. I'm like, this doesn't sound right. Boom. Here we go. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in rage and fury, gave the command to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they brought these men before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar spoke to them. Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image which I have set up? Now, if you are ready at this time, when you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the harp, the lyre, the psaltery, in symphony, with all kinds of music, that you, bow, that you fall down and worship the image which I have made good. 
But if you do not worship, you shall be cast immediately into the midst of the, burning fir- the fiery burning furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you from my hands? Okay, so we see immediately he's, he's taunting them. Okay, he's like, I'm the great and mighty one, and if I won't save you, who will? So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Okay, like that's a pretty bold statement. Like here's the king of kings at this time, and he's saying, you know, this is the deal. This is what you need to do. And they're like, oh, king, you know, talk to the hand, basically. <laughs> like we don't need to answer you. So, oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the golden image which you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury, and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he spoke and commanded that they heat the fiery furnace seven times more than it was usually heated, okay? So this is one of those things where, like, I have it in my mind, like, where he's just, like, freaking out. He's like, heat it up! Heat it up! I don't care! Heat it up as hot as it can go, right? Like, you know those things where he's just, like, losing his mind, okay? So this is what's happening. He commands that the fiery furnace gets heated up seven times hotter, and he commanded that certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and cast them into the fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats and their trousers and their turbans and all the other garments and were cast into the middle of the fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was so urgent and the furnace was exceedingly hot, the flame of fire killed those men who took Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Okay? So the fire was so hot that literally they opened the door and it probably like blew up like a bomb and it killed his own dudes, which kind of is a little bit of a backfire, which would probably actually make him even more angry because it made him look kind of foolish. So these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and he rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, did we not cast three men bound into the midst of the fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king, look, he answered, I see four men loose and walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went to the mouth of the fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the the people that he were with, Okay, satraps, administer, administrators, governors, the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men whose body had no fire on them. The hair on their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of smoke was not, uh, uh, fire was not on them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him, and they have frustrated the king's word and yielded their bodies that they should not serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I make a decree that any people, nation, or language which speaks anything amiss against the son, the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, shall be cut into pieces, and their houses shall be made an ash heap, because there is no god, other, there, is, there is no other god whom can deliver like this. Then, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. That's all the reading we're going to do. Heavenly Father, we're thanking you for your word. Lord, that your word delivers us from bondage. 
And Father, we're declaring this evening, Lord, in the next few minutes that we're here, that you would open up our eyes to understand that there is nothing that can stop your promise from coming into our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I apologize for reading that long. I tried to, to make it shorter, but I actually need the whole chapter in order for this teaching to really go, okay? So the first step that we're going to talk about in this, in this process of understanding how to protect your promise um, is that we must know and stand on our promise, okay? This is, one, this is the foundation of the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is that they understood the promise that God gave to them. The reason that they were able to stand in the midst of this trial or temptation was that they understood the promise that God had given to them, okay? This is where we, uh, each and every one of us, we must know, you must have either a word from the Lord or you need a scripture of what you're standing on, okay? Very often what I can experience and when I talk to a lot of people about, uh, you know, wanting to step into a new season with the Lord or step into a new level of promise is that uh, what, what the, the first question that I'll ask is, you know, what is the scripture that you're standing on? And more often than not, unfortunately, a lot of people don't really have something that they're standing on. The success that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego had in this moment was simply that they knew the promise of God and they knew that God would deliver them regardless of their situation because they knew the promise and they knew the nature of God. You see, most people cave in this process because they really don't know what they're standing on. And so it's easy to talk the promise when nothing is happening in their life. Okay, it's easy to talk the promise when everything is going good. But the moment we each experience our fiery furnace moment, we must know that in the midst of pressure, I have to know and believe in the promise of God so that when the pressure comes, now I have the ability to withstand the temptation or the trial. Okay, unless I know it and believe it more than I believe the reality of the situation, it doesn't matter how good I can quote the scripture if I don't believe that I can stake my life on it like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did, it's not going to make a difference in my life, okay? Now, in their situation, it was super intense, yeah. right? Like they're, uh, you know, about to get thrown into a fiery furnace, okay? Now, at that point, you better know that you know that you know, right? That what you're standing on is the truth. And, and maybe for some of us, it's not as big, but maybe in other ones of our, uh, other people in our, in our life, it is that big. Right? Maybe it's a diagnosis from a doctor. Maybe it's that the bank wants to come and repossess your house. That's a fiery furnace in your life that you have to know that I can stand on the word of God. Okay, and I tell you something, you don't know that you can stand on the word of God just because you've read it. I'm able to stand on the word of God. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were able to stand on the word of God because they understood the nature of God. Because one of the main areas the devil comes to try to tempt us in our life is to try to get us to question the nature of God. We've all experienced this. You know, you're standing on it, like recently, Danielle and I, right, we made, we've been made a couple of decisions, right, that we've stepped down in a couple of areas, and, you know, it's changing our financial situation pretty significantly because we, we stepped out because we knew that it was the will of the Lord. And I tell you, Sometimes I'll be driving down the road 
and the enemy, you know, whispers that, you know, little lie in my ear, you know, you're not going to have enough. But no, I have to know the scripture. I have to know the truth. That way, when the enemy comes and tries to lie in my ear, what? I have a response. Okay? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had a response. They knew what they were standing on, and because they knew what they were standing on, they were able to stand in the midst of this potentially life-threatening situation, and they weren't moved by it. What? They weren't shaken. Right? And they were like, what? Talk to the hand. It doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you try to do to me. It doesn't matter because I know the nature of God, and I know he'll never fail. Okay? And so, so not only do I need to know the word in this situation, I need to know how to respond with the word to the situation, okay? That's a big difference, right? Just because we know the word and I know the thing that I'm standing on, I have to know how to use that word to fight against the negative situations, okay? We have to know when the enemy starts trying to lie in our ear, or when we get that negative doctor's report, or when, you know, we get that phone call from the bank, or we get that phone call from whatever, you're the, the person who's holding your loan, whatever that thing is, we have to know how to use the word in our life to respond to the situation. Because it's in my response, it's in the action of me using the word that those things begin to happen, okay? Mark eleven twenty three says this, that if we'll say to the mountain, be moved and be cast into the sea. What? I need to know how to respond, how to speak the word, because when I speak the word, it's when it begins to have power, okay? Number two, we have to keep standing even when it doesn't seem like it's working. In Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's case, this, this was their story, right? Like, I'm sure in their head, they're thinking like, you know, we're going to get up there, we're going to be all tough, we're going to be like, king, it doesn't matter what you say. And he's going to be like, oh, you're right, Shadrach, Meshach, you're so great, and your God is so great, so you could just go, right? Like, I'm sure that was like plan A, right? Like, they're going to get up in his face and be like, you know, they're going to shove him and be like, yo, man, like, I don't care what, and the king's going to be like, oh my gosh, you're so big and strong, okay? That was probably their first initial response. But how many of you know, right? Like, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're like, you know, talk to the hand king, and he's like, yeah, talk to the hand, throw him in the fiery furnace, right? That is it, and this is honestly a lot of the time what can happen to us is that we, t we go and we take a step out on the word, okay? But our situation actually seems to get worse rather than get better, okay? I mean, isn't that true, right? Like, you get the negative doctor's report, you know, and they're like, you know, well, you know, you're just a little bit sick, you know, and then you go home, and you, like, start, like, coughing up blood or something, and you're like, okay, this went from a little bit bad to really, really bad, okay? And I mean, this happens to people all the time, right? You know, where you're just a little bit in debt, and then it's like, you know, two weeks later, it's like, oh my gosh, it's falling. What happened? You see, in those situations, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, we have to know what to do with that kind of a situation. Because you see, the pressure comes always, why? To steal the word. Because if we can just stand on the word... Everything in our life is going to go good, right? That's why Mark chapter 4, when the enemy comes, what? Immediately to steal the word. Because if we don't have the word, we have nothing to use in order to overcome the situation. And so what happens? We take a step out on the word, and the enemy sees that, right? He sees that we've taken a step out. And so what happens? Now we have an adversary. We're greater than our adversary, okay? 
But nonetheless, we have to know how to respond when the situation seems to get worse rather than it gets better, okay? Now, faith doesn't say, this is the unfortunate part. I wish there was like this clause in the Bible that was like, you know, if you stand by faith and you confess your scriptures, 30 days from now, you'll be in your promise, okay? I mean, I wish, I wish that was the case, right? Like, you know, it's gonna get bad at about day 14, but don't worry, day 19, it's gonna start to kind of get better, right? I wish that was how the scriptures were written, but unfortunately, we don't get a timeline on when faith is gonna manifest, okay? I've heard just as many testimonies of people being healed, you know, in that moment as I have heard people getting healed the moment before they died, okay? Like, I mean, and it's, I don't know. Like, I've heard some people be like, oh God, I need money to pay my rent. And five minutes later, somebody walks up and is like, oh, I really feel like I'm supposed to write you this check. And I've also heard that somebody comes, you know, three months after they've not paid their rent and they're about to get evicted and then God shows up at that moment, okay? And this was the case in Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's story. Okay, God didn't save them before they went in. Okay, if it was me, like, that's where I would kind of, like, you know, you know, they're, like, getting ready to throw me in. I'm like, anytime, God, <laughs> right? Like, anytime now, okay? But that's not, the, that's not the case. And it's not something that we have to be afraid of, okay? This is the main thing where, where people kind of, you know, you're like, oh, three months later, then, you know, I already haven't paid my rent in three months. And sometimes what can happen is that can make us feel afraid, okay? But this is where we have to understand the nature of God, okay? When I understand the nature of God, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, it didn't matter if God saves me in the palace or he saves me in the fiery furnace. It doesn't really matter because I know that God is going to save me. But I only know that, and I can only actually see that in my life when I understand how do I respond to challenging situations. Because here's the, I mean, I'm a living example, okay? Things, when you're living by faith, sometimes seem to get worse. My dad talked about it, right, a long time ago. It was level two. Right, it was where you're like, yay, I got the truth, and it's so good. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm going to die, okay? <laughs> and we've all experienced it, and it's funny, but what does the scripture say? What is that pressure, th th those things, negative situations come what? They, they come to mature us, okay? It comes to work things out on the inside of me that if, if, if the pressure didn't come, I would never have to change. And those things that are, that, are, that are kind of being pressed on the inside of me are things that would keep me out of my destiny. And so now I welcome the adversity because I know that God is maturing and growing me up. But you see, if I'm afraid of going through a difficult situation, I never allow the work that God's trying to do on the inside of me to mature so that I can be in the place of the promise. Okay? So when things get worse, I need to know how to respond. Because faith doesn't give us a time when we overcome. It just promises us that we will overcome. Okay? It's about, what does the scripture say? What, that we, when we endure to the end. Okay? That's why the scripture says, what, you know, don't grow weary in well-doing. What, don't faint. Okay, you'll reap, just don't quit. Okay, because I, don't, I wouldn't want to know the story. I'm sure that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego wouldn't have made it into the Bible. 
But if they're like getting bound and they get and they're like, God, I hate you, and then they get thrown in, right? I I think the story would have turned out a lot different. They would just be some other crazy, wacky people who got burned up in the fire, right? So we don't want to be those people, right? We don't want to quit. I don't want to quit when it gets hard because I know the nature of God and I know that God's made me to be an overcomer. So until I've, until I've overcome the situation, it's not over, okay? Number two, uh, 2B, okay? You must believe the word. I must believe the word more than I believe my situations, okay? Thoughts and emotions love to tell us the truth, but the truth is the scriptures, okay? And 2C, what we put people around us to keep us strong, okay? The enemy wants to isolate us, because isolation breeds defeat. You're an easy target when you isolate yourself, but family is life, okay? Number three, you gotta keep out the doubt. Okay, I'm almost done. Keep out the doubt. Say, keep out the doubt. I tell you something. In, if I was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? Like, you know, telling the king, talk to the hand, I could do that, and I'd be fine. Getting bound, you know, whew, I'd be a little nervous. When they opened up the door and the other dudes got burned up, okay, I'd be flipping out, okay? Like, I don't know about you, but like, when I see I'm going in there, okay? Like, and these other dudes didn't even go in there and they got burned up, okay? I don't know about you, but I mean, my heart would be like, boom, 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 boom. I, I'd probably have like a heart attack before I got thrown in. Okay, but what is this, what is this, right? Is that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, what they saw somebody else, they, they saw their fate, their potential fate in the men who had bound them up. Okay, I'll tell you something, all too often, we, or, or I'll say it like this, we have to watch what we allow in our eye gates and our ear gates. Okay, watching shows about people who are getting sick and dying, okay? Watching the news about this person going bankrupt and that person going bankrupt. Listening, reading on Facebook about how this person got cheated on and this person found out this thing. I tell you something, we have to watch things that we allow in our ears and our eyes because when we see and hear things, what those things do is they breed in us doubt. Okay, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they saw those guys get burned up by the same fire they were going to get thrown into, how many of you know at that moment they needed to be rehearsing the truth? Because when I see something that I'm about to experience or that I'm experiencing right now, the negative outcome of somebody else has the ability to breed doubt in my own life. Just because you aren't going through it doesn't mean that when you see something or read something, okay, that it's not negatively affecting you, okay? We have to watch areas of our eyes and our ears. I remember listening to a minister, um, Kat Kerr, like years ago when I first started listening to her, and she talked about that, how uh, um, when you watch things and when you, uh, when you open up your eyes and your ear gates to things, that you're inviting into your soul those images to be imprinted on your soul. That even though you might never have experienced a violent situation, because you watch violence, those images get imprinted on your soul, and your soul doesn't actually know the difference between reality and what it's viewing, okay? 
Now, the thing is, and, and I'm not, no judgment if you watch movies like that, because I, I like an action movie or two, okay? But this is the thing that I'm saying is that when you're walking through a situation and, and, and you're going through things, what you don't want to do is when you're believing God for health, the worst place to go and find a health scripture is WebMD, <laughs> okay? You're never going to find a good report on WebMD, Okay? But this is the thing, is that we have to actively fight against areas in our life where we open up ourselves to doubting against what the Word says. Okay, Creflo Dollar gives this example about when he was believing God for healing, what he did was he locked himself in his room. I think just as much to meditate on the Scripture, but also to block himself from all the negative things and people and situations that would try to tell him that he can't get the healing that God promised him. Okay, because the enemy will make sure that you hear or see some negative situation that will tell you how your situation is going to turn out like their situation and they were defeated. And so, well, guess you're going to be defeated. Okay, so we have to guard what's going on in our eyes and our ears because we want the truth and only the truth. Okay, two, three B, watch what you say. Don't curse your own faith. Okay, there's a saying that says loose lips sink ships. And I think it has to do with gossip, but we're going to use it in this case, okay? Don't just talk, okay? Watch what comes out of your mouth. Be intentionable about what you're saying. Don't curse your own faith, okay? Because this is the reality. Whatever you let in, is going to eventually come out. Okay? 2C. Separate yourself from the haters. Okay? Whenever you do something that's against the norm, somebody is going, always going to have an opinion about why what you're doing is crazy. Okay? If they don't agree with you, shut them out. No one... No thing. Facebook is not worth your blessing. Friends are not worth your healing. Okay? We have to learn how to shut out the negative influences in our life. Okay, it was like the story. I promise I'm done. The story when my mom, right, when I was young, I was probably like two or three, and I had pneumonia. And it was like really bad. And I was a little kid and really sick. And she's living by faith, her and my dad. And they pull me out of the hospital. Okay? How many of you know there was some haters in that situation? Okay? But what? You have to shut out the doubt. I got to shut out the negative words that people are trying to say. Why? Because they're seeds. And they'll grow in me. Doubt is a seed just like faith. And it will grow just the same. And so i got to do my best when I'm standing in the midst of a difficult situation to shut out the doubt. And number four is this. You have to look for Jesus. And the way that you do this, okay, I'll tell you, it's, very, it's super simple. I do this probably 10 times a day, 
literally. This is no exaggeration. If I'm in the midst of a situation and a thought pops into my head and I, I try and hit it with the scriptures and it's just nothing's happening to it, immediately what I'll do is I'll close my eyes and I ask the question, Jesus, what's the truth? Jesus, tell me the truth. This is what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did in the fiery furnace. What? They looked for Jesus. I tell you something, Jesus, he's so good. He's always with you whenever you need him. He's with you in the good times and the bad times, in the good situations and the bad situations. The scripture says that he will never leave us and he'll never forsake us. And so what do we do? In the moment when it seems like all hope, all hope is lost, what do you do? You look, look for Jesus. And the way that I do it is simple. I ask him, Jesus, tell me what your truth is. Because the scripture says that his truth comes, what, to break bondage, break deception. His anointing comes to remove the burdens, destroy the yokes. Okay? And 1 Corinthians 10.13 says this, that he's never going to give you more than you can overcome. And anytime you find yourself in something, he already has a way of escape. Which means what? All I'm doing is, when I'm in the midst of a difficult situation, I'm looking for Jesus. Because when I find him and I see him, I know that he's going to guide me out. Amen. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for what you're doing in our life. Lord, that your word is simple. That if we simply just follow these steps, what, that we know your promises, that we stand on your promises, that we stand regardless of how things seem, when we keep out the doubt, what, when we shut out the, the negative voices, when we look for you, we know that you'll lead us into our promise. Teach us how to guard ourselves against the devices of the enemy. To guard ourselves against doubt and fear. And we open ourselves up to your truth. And we thank you in Jesus' name.